Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 243. So, are we all, like, mates then? This week, we're discussing season 5, episode 1 of Angel, Conviction, and the series premiere of Class, For Tonight We Might Die. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Alrighty. Um, final season of Angel. Woo! Yeah. Oh my god. I, I mean, ex- exciting, but also it means it's almost over. Well, all of the Buffyverse. After that huge celebration of the end of Buffy, we still have I know. the Buffyverse. We still have like several goes months on. left. Well, and... and after celebrating, get, catching up on Doctor Who, yet again, we're still in the Whoverse. So it's, Ooh, you know, yeah. uh, continuing the the spinoffs spin on, um, you know, past the main series. So we'll get to keep talking about those. Um, you, I think, had a few production notes for Conviction. Yeah. Um, so, right. Uh, written and directed by Joss Whedon, which is significant because we kind of noted with season four how kind of little he was there for, you know, various reasons. Um, Obviously, last season of Buffy and also Firefly going on, like, kind of took him away, Um, kind of left it in the hands of Jeffrey Bell and uh, some of the others, um, for better or worse, uh, you know, I mean we we talked all through about season four but yeah now he's back um it's also it's it, there's kind of this weird interim period where he's back from firefly and buffy but not yet working on serenity so um that serenity comes out in 2005 so it's not that far away and it's not very long before he did he actually does start working on that before the production of season five of angel is over but at this point, anyway, <laughs> in the early part of the production of the series, he's, you know, kind of focused on this. Um, and I think so we can um, talk through the plot and stuff, but just um, mentioning the opening, at least real quick, you know, you can see things like the fact that, like, there's a very deliberate sort of mirroring of the first season of Angel. Um, they've switched things up, but there's also very much a sort of, a, a a very sort of uh familiar feel with just even the opening woman running down a dark alley being chased by a vampire and then angel shows up that's like mm-hmm. literally how episode one of season one starts and then also um the very procedural nature of it to the to the point of like it's kind of following very similarly a law and order episode mm-hmm. uh, it, Again, deliberately, Joss Whedon was a fan of Law and Order. Um, and actually, <laughs> funny enough, uh, uh, J. Uh, Gunn, uh, uh, J. August uh, Richards, sorry, I couldn't think of his last name there for a second. Um, J. August Richard goes on to co star in a Law and Order spinoff that only lasted one season called, of all things, Conviction. Conviction. No, I was going to say. <laughs> so, um, kind of a funny that that was um, like 2006 that that was a spinoff, which is um, if you think back to um, Kate and I can't think of the actress's name, she went mm-hmm. on 
she went on to go to Law and Order. So a lot of like little connections there. But but again, a very deliberate like yeah. we're re redoing the show, but also want to bring in kind of these, you know, elements that everyone kind of know and loved kind of in that first season, which I don't know that I would say that was even the best season, but it was the defining season, I would say, mm-hmm. of of Angel, um, at least, you know, and then it started kind of going off into like other directions. And so now I feel like even with the big shakeup, we're kind of in a way coming back to that sort of original um, right. idea for the show. Um, right. Not that it's going to be like that all the time, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like at least for like the reboot, so to speak, if that's what we're kind of considering season five, that that makes a lot of sense kind of the way that he, he did that. Um, yeah. Well, finish yeah. before I start responding to that, go ahead and. No, no, no. That, that's kind of, that's kind of the big production note I wanted to kind of talk through. I mean, we can talk about the like law and order feel of it and stuff too. There's, um, I'll, I'll bring up the one actor I wanted to mention too, when we get to his character, um, which we'll talk about in a, short bit but uh that's kind of that's kind of the big thing i wanted to note um with whedon's return kind of and 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 the return of kind of a tone and Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and i hadn't really thought about it that way but now that you kind of point out the new like procedural but a different industry like a different kind of procedure and yet there still retains some of the some of the original detective show feel mm-hmm. of season one is still there, but also now we have this it, it's also partly a lawyer show um and yep. with Fred in her lab, it's also like somewhat kind of n c i s like you know like or like or bones or bones <laughs> right like all those like procedurals that have to do with like the lab yep. and this kind of forensic, forensic science yep. aspects of it. So it's sort of this weird hybrid of every, like those are like the major kind of, you know, it's not cops exactly, but, but with the kind of special ops guys and the, and the detective work, you could kind of see it as like, you know, the cop show, the lawyer show and the lab show is sort of, all the yeah. major types of procedurals are represented in the pilot, you know, or the first episode of this season here. Um, so like back to the procedural roots, but kind of an expansion of what yeah, that yeah. means. Um, well, so I also, Oh no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I feel like that's, that's where the law and order aspect comes in is, is the right, blending, the blending yeah. of the stories. Right. Um, and not to say that like not, nothing did it before that, but that like, that show clearly defines the genre. Like yes, right, right. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But did they ever have demons and vampires and magic and? Well, you know, I mean, that's. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they. I mean, given how many episodes there was of it, I'm sure they had like people who like thought they were doing magic. <laughs> At right. some point or another. Or there like, must have been like the satanic cult episode. Right. Or I'm sure that they had that. But um, like, because you all like, there's almost some, nothing that they probably didn't explore at one point or another. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And I mean, even again, going back to like Bones, the the blending of 
the forensic science aspect of it um, with the uh, out in the field FBI nature, which is mm-hmm. what David Boreanaz played there as well. I mean, mm-hmm. typecast, but for a reason, maybe like sure. he's very good at that kind of, right. you know, acting and work. Um, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, so- I, Sorry, I was going to say, and I think I mentioned it too, because like, I actually knew David Boreanaz' work through Bones, because I started, I watched that show like pretty early on when it started to air, before mm-hmm. I ever saw any Buffy or uh, Angel or anything. So it's, mm-hmm. it is kind of funny to kind of see it coming, for me, coming back to that, where I, a lot of people who saw the show before that, obviously, like... I don't know, maybe it was a more natural progression because, like, now they're getting this and mm-hmm. then, like, he goes to Bones and it's like, well, of course he's going to do that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Right. So, anyway. Um, sorry, uh, where were you going to go next? Well, I kind of want to stay with the opening scene for a minute um, mm-hmm. and, like, expand on that. Because, again, like, just like with the procedural, it is a return to the opening and the the roots of the show, but with like a twist and with expanded like explorations of what we can do with that old format. Um, Because you do get that very classic angel rescues a blonde woman in a dark alley kind of opening um, only Mm -hmm. to be then sort of, ensconced in the bureaucracy of Wolfram and Hart, you know, so he backup teams, you know, you know, SWAT teams that he never called in suddenly swarm. Um, not to mention all the suits, you know, of like lawyers and PR guys who are going to handle the press, um, people having yeah. the victim sign, you know, waivers and release forms of like who knows what she's even this is an evil organization who knows what she's even signing you know (laughs) right right exactly like i don't even like you assume it's some sort of waiver to use her you know image or whatever but like who knows what's on that piece of paper um like in perpetuity which like then means that like yeah she's in with them forever um the, the the lila clause Exactly. Um, so just kind of immediately, uh, you know, you, I, I was kind of, I'm watching the opening scene and kind of getting a feel for like, oh yes, this is a very standard opening to an episode of Angel. And you are kind of waiting for where's the, where's the catch? Where's the twist? Um, and kind of letting you know, like, this is what this season is going to be about mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm trying to get back to the roots of helping the helpless but now with all this baggage that they have attached to them and all this stuff that comes along um with this decision that they've sort of impulsively made um and the way that this is supposed to be the most helpful resources this is supposed to be the thing that helps you get to the the people on the street and provides you with, but really like, is it just going to get in the way? Mm. Um, Like they don't even help. Angel's already finished. He's already rescued her and done what he's, you know, set out to do when they show up and are just going to make everything into a big bureaucratic nightmare. 
Um, yeah. So it's just kind of a funny way to introduce sort of the theme of the season early on. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and that be yeah right. And that's the conundrum of. And I feel like, I mean, for anyone who's worked for any sort of decent, you know, mid-size or larger organization, like, that's the conundrum. Like, how do you actually get things done that that actually help people when it feels like so much of what you do is just bureaucracy and BS, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Um, so, like, I think on that level, like, definitely we've grown in metaphor as well, right? Like, mm -hmm. from, like, all right, so we're clearly beyond, like, Buffy and you know, high school is hell, although we'll talk about that with class next, mm -hmm. um, you know, and even beyond like Buffy, like college years and like young adulthood, like just growing into young adulthood, like, mm -hmm. which is kind of where Angel started was like young adults, you know, in LA kind of meeting, you know, and trying to kind of figure out their purpose in like the big city. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, um, I feel like, well, we'll get to Harmony, but I feel like she kind of stays at best in this episode of like, you know, I'm just a girl, like in the big city, like I have to start somewhere. And like, this was where they started me. And like, I totally get that. Well, not the girl in the big city, but like my, my own life was like, yeah, I like out of college, I moved to Boston. I started working for a big bank. Like there was maybe a bit of a soul sucking aspect to it, but like, you also kind of convince yourself that like you're helping in some way, you know, in some whatever and, mm -hmm. and you do what you need to do. And so like, I think there's definitely like that kind of metaphor is an interesting one. Cause it is kind of like the next step. It's the, you know, you're not just like some peon trying to make it. It's like you, you've kind of made it. You might be at the bottom of the ladder, but like you're on the ladder now, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but then you have to figure out, like, what are your like, how do you stay true to yourself and how do you stay true to your own sense of ethics and morality and all of that um, in the midst of it all? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, um, I do want to mention. Uh, so you mentioned like PR. Like, the PR guy, who, like, I actually, I don't know if he's, like, technically PR or a lawyer or whatever, but, um, you know, the guy with the, kind of the beard who mm -hmm. comes up uh, and is, like, explaining things to Angel, um, that's, uh, the actor there's TJ Thine, or Tyne, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, um, so he goes on to co-star with um, uh, David Boreanaz in Bones for, like, the entire run of that show, which is, like, 12 seasons, so mm -hmm. um, this is kind of their first meeting, he's uh started acting in like the late 90s um but all just uh single episode stuff um so and angel is so we will see him again um angel's kind of his first recurring role so uh just kind of interesting to see him here is knowing that he'll go on to like be working with david Boreanaz every day for the next 12 years mm -hmm. you know once angel is over um and uh and that's kind of like I mean he's done like another you know a few other like episode things bones just ended last year mm -hmm. um but like he hasn't really done a whole lot of other stuff like again like a few like one or two episodes of like some guest star role here and there mm -hmm. but like that's pretty much it mm -hmm. 
Um, good actor. He, I, I really like his character in Bones, but we don't. Okay. We won't get into that. But uh, just wanted to kind of call him out because that's uh, at least from an actor perspective, there's a big connection. Never seen Bones. Have to confess. That's fine. Unless there's demons and vampires, uh, I'm not generally a procedural kind of person. There's a few exceptions, but I yeah, and I mean it's yeah, I like I went through a big phase of like CSI. I watched, I even watched Law and Order for a bit and stuff. So like, mm-hmm. it it was up my alley, and and I I think Bones is one of the better produce types of those shows so like sure if you're going to watch it like it's a good one to watch i would mm-hmm. recommend it mm-hmm. anyway um so yeah. yeah so on the kind of theme of new characters you said we'll see that pr guy or whatever he is pop up again although um, i don't i i'm pretty sure he's like never actually given a name so like okay that might tell you how like important it is, but like sure, sure, yeah. Um, well, we do get some named supporting characters here that mm-hmm. maybe we can just go through them, um, kind of one by one, but just sort of collectively as representatives of the seedy types of people that are now expected to work with what we consider, you know, our good guy heroes. Um, so these are coworkers and employees and clients even that they would not normally, certainly not help and mm-hmm. probably not even associate with. Um, you know, the sort of people that would have been the villains in any other episode are now the ones that they're expected to not just work with but like advocate for and protect um and there's this sense of making you know part of this deal with the devil is in order to uh there's a speech from this new character eve i think she's the one that talks about that in order to sort of keep the thing going you Mm -hmm. have to keep the thing going that you there's no option here to flesh out all the evil components, the stuff you don't like, and just focus on using Wolfram and Hart's amazing facilities to just help good people. Because unless you start to work with the system as it is, you're not going to have a system to work with. Um, so you're sort of, you know, you you have no choice but to play ball a little bit. Um, so anyway, these are the characters that we start to like, get to know um so i want to so let's start with eve Mm -hmm. um who just sort of pops up out of nowhere and then does this like a few times throughout the episode is always sort of lurking in a room waiting for the characters to like you never actually see her move from place to place um yeah and uh seems to have knowledge or access to some of these upper level floors and the senior partners and mm-hmm. have some sort of high executive knowledge as to what exactly is going on on their level. Um, sure. And it, you know, my, the, the temptation is to start speculating, like, 
is she a senior partner herself or is hmm. she some sort of new representative for them? Is, you know, is she a new like liaison? Um, you know, she kind of even suggests like that she's not really what she appears to be. Like we've seen, you know, there was like the little girl and now we have the black Panther who's up there. Like is Eve even, you know, the, the human woman that she appears to be probably not. Um, so what all is going on with her? I don't quite know yet, but she's there and giving them advice and direction and sort of nudging them in certain directions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I won't give away anything cause I know like you're where it's going introduce, you know, to her here and kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'm happy to let the speculation go for a while. Um, I guess it all boils down to how earnest and honest you think she is. Um, mm -hmm. The way that she says it is that um, she's like, she, she says that she answers to the senior partner, but she doesn't lunch with them. Now that doesn't necessarily preclude her from also being a senior. Like she could be like the designated senior partner to, you know, like talk to the newbies, like, and maybe she doesn't enjoy lunching with her cohorts. <laughs> like, like or she could be lying, you know? Yeah. Or, well, that's what I mean. Like, that's why I say, like, like, it depends at what, like, what level to which you believe. Like, yeah, she could be flat out lying about all of it. Um, or she could be, like, saying truthful things that have different than expected interpretations. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Like, so it just kind of... Or she could be completely, like, that could totally describe. And, like, you're right. She suggests um, when Wesley, you know, says, oh, you know, you're in a pretty powerful position for a young woman. She goes, how exactly can you be sure I'm either of those things? Like, is she just teasing him there? Is she actually suggesting that she's something not human and not young and not a woman? Um, like, any of those are possibilities. Like, or maybe she just is you know likes to banter and and is completely misleading him like mm -hmm. there's multiple ways to interpret all of the stuff that she says yeah um basically so i won't spoil anything for you and tell you one way or the other um but it's you know yeah i think i think it's an interesting character because there's already a conduit right like the like you said like the black cat and before that it was the little girl or the beings posing as those things and so why is there now like a separate liaison like mm -hmm. does that does that call into question the black cat like like if the black cat is a conduit to the senior partners but it's part of the wolfram and hart la branch does that make it compromise somehow in a way that maybe eve isn't or you know Maybe they're just, or maybe they just wanted to have someone, maybe they just didn't want to go to a white room every time they needed, like, a liaison to pop up and, like, right. sort of provide some expository, you know, explanation for the audience, but... um Well, and, like, maybe the white room is there when the characters seek out the input of the senior partners, but maybe we need, yeah. like, maybe the senior partners want someone 
on the ground, you know, like mm-hmm. giving, like intervening more often. Um, not just waiting for themselves to be asked, um, mm-hmm. but like someone actually down there pushing people. Um, Cause that's sort of one of the interesting aspects of it is um, her, I don't know that I would call it manipulation because it's, it's not sneaky necessarily, but she is pushing the characters to make certain decisions, you know? So she mm-hmm. seems to have an opinion or an agenda as to what she wants them to do. Um, you know, like or, the or most, at least what her bosses want her to do. Yeah. Like her like, or whoever she represents. Yeah. And you know, the, the most obvious example being giving gone this business card. Um, so there's like direct intervention there of giving him a nudge toward a certain thing and giving him access to power that he didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause like, yeah. right. in at the end of season four, when they're kind of all wandering around finding what they're going to do, Gunn initially thinks that he's going to be security. It's like, Oh yeah, obviously this is what I'm going to be. And then like, he goes up and we never actually find out what happens in the right. white room there. So like, this is kind of the culmination of that, of like, now we know what guns meant to be. And, and also like, did, you know, I mean, not to get too much into his character, but like does having these additional resources. I mean, I think this is something that we can ask of all the characters because they all kind of have it in, <coughs> Excuse me. you know, different ways where, you know, Fred has the lab and Wesley has this new library with like more volumes than any other. And, you know, Angel has all of the various resources at his disposal. And, you know, how are they going to use them? You know, Gunn now has this, um, like the way Eve puts it, I think, is that like he had the most unused potential. Mm. And so there's this sense of like, if Gunn had had a different upbringing or different, you know, luck that had gone his way, like this, he totally could have gone off the streets and gone to law school and gotten here himself without like sort of the magical intervention that happens here. But like Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. And so now they're kind of giving it to him. And like, like I think the, again, like, if we're to believe Eve, which maybe is questionable, but like it seems plausible that like guns capable of knowing and doing it like, like he's, we know that he's more than just the muscle. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that was like, like if we go back to like the Gwen stuff, like I think that was part of like the story between him and Gwen was that like, he's not just the muscle. He can think for himself. He can, you know, uh, protect people and and do all of the thinking stuff too it's just he's lived a life of being on the streets and fighting and so now like there's kind of a poetic justice and like he's the one peacefully like resolving Mm. disputes i mean not necessarily that we want like the bad criminals to like get off or anything but like 
he's not resorting to violence in the way that Angel still does or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, and that's, like I like that. the, I, I like the way you put it because at first as you were talking, I was thinking, it's kind of unfortunate that all of the other characters are given like access to equipment or information that allows them to use their natural ability. So like Fred is this genius physicist and she's given the lab whereas gun it sort of seems like at first i was kind of worried that the implication is that he's the only one that needs something artificially you know like fred doesn't need knowledge she just needs a lab whereas you know gun has this information sort of downloaded into him Mm -hmm. and is there something kind of you know problematic about that that he's sort of singled out as the one who sort of needs to be upgraded in a way but i like the way you put it that the implication isn't that he just gets injected with this special skill that comes from nowhere the implication is that he can retain the information all they're doing is catching him up very quickly to Mm -hmm. the place where he could have gotten to before had he had the right circumstances that gave him access to those things right um which makes more that's a much more uh i don't know enlightened uh, or like you know progressive or politically correct or whatever you want to call it like that's a more comfortable metaphor there of the person who could have been the star lawyer but was homeless and you know kind of grew up in a rough neighborhood where he never had access to those things. Nobody right. would have ever, he could never have gotten that education or nobody would have given him the chance for that education. You're right. Yeah. And I think the important bit is at the end where like they stress, like it's still him. He just has this legal knowledge and apparently some show tunes in his head. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, you know, I mean, he, like, he offers to sing for Lauren, which, you know, I mean, he doesn't actually do it, so maybe there's a chance that something got... But, like, the implication there is that he's he is still the same person, but just like the others, he now has access to new resources that he didn't have before. Um, which, what well, we kind of got into talking about guns specifically, but, like, just to kind of finish out the thought there, which is a callback to, like, him talking to Wesley kind of in the beginning of, like, do I look like I belong here? Like you have like Wesley specifically has mystical creds. And then like, we kind of talk through the other characters all have like, like Fred is already like smart and knows physics and like all the stuff. She just needs the tools. Right. And so like gun kind of is the most out of place, but I like that they sent him to a tailor, which implies that whatever he's being given is is being given specifically for him, right? A tailor, mm-hmm. like a, a clothes tailor, makes clothes that fit the body. To like fit, yeah. It, it's, it's not, like, you're making clothes for the individual person. You're not, like, just stuffing them into, you know, whatever mm-hmm. off-the-rack thing that they might have. So the tailor here is we're working with what gun already has mm-hmm. and giving him what he's already capable of having. It's not like they didn't change his IQ. They didn't, you know, 
inject him with like super you know memory pills or something like right. i mean you don't inject pills but you know what i mean like the right. well, you know whatever like that kind of thing like it's not like they tailored right. his his the knowledge and and whatever whatever ability he has he already had it's mm-hmm. just like now he's got the mental like knowledge and memory to go with that ability mm-hmm. um at least that's the way I read it. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it kind of, that kind of helps answer, maybe there's other bigger answers to this, but I was sort of wondering after the finale of what was the significance of Gunn meeting the cat in the white room and the fact that Gunn seemed to be singled out among the group. And that was sort of an interesting you know, it's not Angel that goes to the white room. It's Gun. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it that sort of, and, and I feel like that helps to, this helps to sort of start to answer that question of the others already had a certain amount of education or... Um, like specialization. Or specialization or, or a head start in some way. And like here, the fact that Eve specifically tips him off and doesn't even go through the others. She doesn't tell, he doesn't tell anyone what he's doing. It's just between him and, you know, her and the senior partners and Wolfram and Hart to say, here, like, here's this card. And if you want to go, you can, you know, take care of yourself that way. Um, So yeah, that's, and he needs, a little bit of a boost because he was sort of disadvantaged, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it's interesting. And I mean, I wasn't really thinking of it this way until you were kind of talking about it, but it's, it's like the go- going to the white room at the end of season four there is like the assessment portion. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's almost like that, like we go there and then like the conduit checks him out and, like Gunn doesn't get the answer. Like he doesn't know at the beginning of season five still what his role is really. Yeah. Like he didn't go there to get answered. I mean, he might, he kind of comes down feeling like satisfied, but like that might just be like an artificial feeling. Like it's not until now that he kind of knows his purpose. So it's kind of like, you could look at it as like, okay, you know, he goes before the board to like, see what he's capable of. And then, you know, Eve's the one who kind of gives him the results, right? Like she brings like, here, here's the results. Go here. You can find out, you know, what's going on. And mm-hmm. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we took a big detour around Eve. We did. Gun. We kind of veered um, around gun. Um, I want to talk about Harmony. Yeah, yeah. Um, who uh, I really like. That's a fun idea that I didn't expect that she would come back and join yeah. as the um I what is it administrative assistant we don't say secretary anymore yeah. um yeah I, and and yeah that's just a great idea that she's fun enough to you you know feel like it's a natural choice to sort of join the show but 
evil enough that like she fits in among all of these kind of shady Wolfram and Hart characters of like, oh God, does it really have to be like Harmony is the assistant? You know, mm -hmm. um, it's pretty great. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and to call out, I mean, they sort of allude to it, but like to call out the fact that like, she's a Cordy replacement, right? Like, sure. I mean, in a way, mm -hmm. like, no, I don't mean that, like, obviously Cordy very, weird, like, you can't replace Cordy. Like, I don't mean right. it like that, but like, right. she's, she's a stand in there for, for some of the stuff that Cordy kind of represents and, mm -hmm. and a call back to the fact that like, Harmony has been with the show. I mean, not consistently, but she's been with the show longer than anyone else. She was in mm -hmm. episode one of Buffy. Mm -hmm. Nobody else in this show now was, except mm -hmm. Cordy, but she's no longer in the show. Right. So like, right. yeah, it's it's just that idea of like bringing in some of that, not quite the same through line as Cordy had, but like at least connecting it back to that, you know, beginning of Buffy and kind of giving, you know, a character that we enjoy, um, mm -hmm. you know, an opportunity now to kind of come in. Yeah, I couldn't remember if I had spoiled that for you at one point or not. No, um, I don't think so. No. Um, I'm glad you were surprised by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. And, and different enough, you know, to where Cordy has evolved to not quite yeah. feel like the same character anymore. But again, getting back to the roots of some of the earlier Cordy, you know, Cordy and Harmony with that sort of mean girlness of, um, you know, their sort of old high school days together. So there is a kind of energy that's similar to what Cordy brought to the show that she sort of taps into. And, um, and I also, and, and like, I think with, kind of what you were saying before about like she's she's fun and whatever but also kind of evil and like so there's there's this I think so someone makes a reference at some point to like most of the people at Wolfram and Hart are just kind of like followers like they're mm. they're not necessarily evil but they just kind of go with the flow and so like Right. If is that Nox like, oh, I just mix the potions. Like, I don't question. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's not the one who says it, but like that idea of like, oh, okay. like who, yeah, like someone, you know, the, the, like most of the people, and that's why they do, that's why they have Lorne like giving them, mm -hmm. you know, singing, uh, like reading their auras and stuff to find it's like out. like their performance review. Who, who, <laughs> literally. Yeah. You have to perform. Um, yeah, kind of kind of to weed out the truly evil versus the just right. like normal average people who happen to like have needed a job and got one in a place that happens to do evil things. Right. Um which again kind of goes into that metaphor of like the big corporations like like not everyone at like, you know, I don't know, ExxonMobil is evil even if like the company as a whole, like maybe spoils right. oil every now and then, or like doesn't right. like always do the socially just thing or whatever. Right. Um, I don't mean to pick on a specific company per se, but like that, yeah, like there's a big difference between like evil corporation, maybe if like a corporation can be considered a thing 
versus like the people who work there who who may or may not you know be that like um so yeah i just i think with harmony it it because like there's that there is that like she's a vampire and not mm-hmm. one with a soul and like mm-hmm. had like maybe like yeah is on that sort of like default side of evil but like also wants to please the new boss and like i think I mean, we'll see what happens with her in season five, but I think at least for now has like gone beyond like the, like she doesn't have minions anymore or, you know, like a desire to sort of be the leader of a evil vampire gang or anything. Right. She's just a working gal in the big city. Like, you know, Um, and she says she's off human blood from what we can tell. Sure. We don't know um, how recent that is. We don't is. know how recently. We'll see how long <laughs> that lasts. But um, that's what she says. But yeah. But that's also, I feel like that's in LA. That's like the vampire version of veganism, right? Like, I <laughs> right. mean, it's that's, that's just yeah. like Southern California. Right. Uh, kind of thing. Right, right. Not to um, pick on any of our friends who may or may not live in Southern California, but like. No, or vegans. Um, or vegans. <laughs> we don't know anyone like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, sorry. Um, yeah. And I like, too, that she, she contributes useful information as well. Like, she actually does, like, pitch in in this first episode. Like, she hears from the other, you know, girls in the office, like, rumors of things that turn out. So, like, she kind of leads them towards the special ops going rogue and, you know, doing their own thing. So, um, so even within the episode, you kind of get the idea that like, oh, she actually is a member of the team and could be useful to have around. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think with Harmony, it's always, I don't think we're ever going to see a Harmony who's like successfully duplicitous. Like, I think, I like, I, I think like even, I think most of the part, it's just, she's that's just not who she is. Like it's, you know, she thinks that she says it, but like also like those times when she is trying to be duplicitous, you can kind of like tell, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, like not just us, but like the characters in the show can also tell, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. that's just who she is as a character of right. not really able to like do things secretively mm-hmm. um, or yeah. She's yeah. not like the mastermind. Not so much. Um, but she's strong and quick and incredibly sycophantic. So what, what else do you need? <laughs> exactly. Um, and they keep the same hours. So it's great. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like, I actually really like that kind of like internal marketing of yourself as, because like everybody does it like mm-hmm. in a business setting of like, here's why I should get the job. Like, here's why you should promote me. Like, right. I'm, you know, I, I, I'll keep, I'll do the, you know, I come in early and I stay late and, or, you know, vice versa for a vampire and like all of the like reasons why yeah. like she should, you know, stay where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it makes me think of Michael Scott, you know, I, I care to, much and I work too hard and you know like even uh yep. her, her 
the fact that she keeps the same hours because she's a soulless vampire. But that's like as a strength. Like that's a good thing. Right, you want right. someone who's up at the same time as you and knows how to fix the blood in, in the way that you like it. And, you know, um, here's why those are good things rather than bad things. My weaknesses are strengths. Exactly. Ah. <laughs> like, oh, I see what you did. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, we also get a little bit more with Knox, who we met in the finale. Um, mm -hmm. And who is spending a lot of time with Fred in these last couple episodes. Mm. Um and Although, has has a, has a nickname, obnoxy. Yes, obnoxy. Um, which is maybe obnoxious. Sure. Um, and already, Wesley at least is jealous. I don't know if Gunn's there yet, but um, it, Wesley is sort of a little worried about yeah. Noxy and all that. It, it's actually a little funny to me how like Wesley and Gunn's camaraderie now about Fred, <laughs> like. Yeah. kind of has developed sure um i don't yeah i don't necessarily have anything more to say than just that but like it's just kind of like interesting to see them talking like about her and sort of like the ah that's our fred you know kind of way right um yeah I, are you it's not Knox who says that he just mixes the potions is that somebody else no he does say that he oh, says he that somebody else says it, one of the core team says something about, like, most of the people just going along. Gotcha. So I it. feel like that is in line with what he says. Like... Yeah, yeah. I wasn't... Like, I didn't mean to imply that he, he didn't I, say that line. No, no. I, just, I, I misheard you. I just um, meant that, like, he's he's an example... Yes. ...of that. Of not, that but, wider culture. But it was yeah. someone else who said... I, I might have the quote here and I'll try. No, to no. I, that was, I only misheard what you said. So my only point being that he does go in line with that. Um, you know, which there's plenty of Nazis who said the same thing. Um, so sure. I think we can, you know, we're, we're prompted there to be, Skept highly skeptical of anyone who just says I was following orders, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you know, to her credit, even though they're attached at the hip, this episode, Fred does like that gives her pause, you know, and is sure. pretty, you know, skeptical of him in this episode, like wondering what sorts of projects he's been involved in and what chemical weapons he has access to and all these sorts of things. Um, so, I mean... And, and, like, calling out the fact that, like, they made these things but didn't make, like, antidotes or, like... Right. You know, antiviruses or anything. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, like, we made these evil things and now they're out in the world. and Right, right. Right. And no okay, we've it. we've complained we've contained more plague than we've ever designed, but you've still designed some plague. Like to say Or like what does that balance, mean? Does that mean yeah. you, you made plagues and they're in a vault somewhere? Like like there's not actually like Right. <laughs> like an explanation of what that means. Like right. Like that's you contained that, you yeah. 
sorry, I was just gonna say, like, you contain them because you let them out in the first place. Like, right. that's not something to be proud of. Like, right. if if that's the case, like, we don't get completely, like, right. what he's saying there, but. Right. Well, it's ambiguous. And it's meant to sound good. Like, it's manipulative in that it sounds like he's saying, like, he's acknowledging that um, they have done some things it's like he's not really pretending that they've been all squeaky clean the whole time right um so that kind of earns your trust a little bit to kind of say like oh okay he actually like maybe is a little bit critical of where he works and what he does but then when you really think about it yeah it's a kind of a get out of jail free card like you know, he's, he's, it doesn't really say anything. It doesn't really tell you anything about what he actually has done. And to say that on balance, we've done more good. Okay. But like, how much harm have you done intentionally? Um, so yeah, so I'm kind of, I'm going to have got my eye on him. Um, Fair enough. You know, but, um, Fred is like, there's that scene where she's kind of talking about how she's not a leader and, um, and then we get her showing leadership in the lab, like kind of whipping them into shape and yelling at everybody to work harder, work faster, be smarter and find a solution. Um, so you know, given a team of people, she actually is showing some leadership qualities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's also Hauser, is that his name? Who's the uh, special yep. ops leader? So just as like a representative of this special ops team who are ostensibly Angel's backup, but really are just sort of on their own, um, you know, and ready to jump to the most dramatic and violent solution to right. the problem. And, you know, not really concerned with, if Knox is sort of just concerned with following whatever the orders are. Um, these guys are not really concerned with orders at all. Um, so yeah. And I don't know if, if there's any important things to, I mean, you know, the ending with the kid is sort of the key scene, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that like he calls what they do wet work rather than mm -hmm. field work, you know, so specifically, assassination and like mm -hmm. killing people versus you know special ops you might think of like that might be part of it but it might be like it might consist of a bunch of different things but it seems like these guys are are actually just sort of one hit wonders like right or that's not the right term like Whatever, whatever the right term is for that is like they only do one thing, you know, mm -hmm. and and don't do anything else is mm -hmm. kind of the implication. Mm -hmm. And when Angel wants them to not do that, like they get angry and try to take him out. So yeah. that's 
Which is, again, interesting. So, like, I mean, they allude to that possibility early on of, like, you know, people in the company not being okay with, like, the new management and mm-hmm. what's, what you know, going to try to literally stab them in the back. Um, right. Right, which is interesting because they're kind of, if we do assume that Eve has some is like representative of this senior partners in some way who is kind of edging them towards success, you know, at least in this situation. Um, the special ops guys are going against that. Um, yeah. So they're like, it, it's seemingly in direct opposition to what the senior partners want, at least in this particular instance. Um, so there's kind of, internal division it's not like wolfram and hart the la branch is sort of a unified front with one objective that they all agree on like clearly there are degrees and factions within that well Um, and and how can we be sure there aren't other liaisons to other part of wolfram and hart from other senior partners like maybe they are following orders yeah, maybe, somebody, maybe there's yeah. division among the senior partners as well. And so there's maybe that's playing out in like different senior partners have different control over different areas of the business or something like that. And we don't I mean, again, we still don't know much about them. Um, and so like maybe I, I'm totally just spinning this off in my own theory. Like I'll go ahead and state we don't get this like clearly defined or anything so like this is just my own Mm headcanon but like you could envision a situation where you've got like well we don't know how many senior partners are but say there's enough for at least like two distinct parties or you know Mm -hmm. divisions and groups and so like the majority party is the one that voted to like have angel and team take over because like they're already like foiling a lot of what they do and maybe by giving it to them they can like recover some of their losses and and that's this is where eve comes in of like the party line like Mm -hmm. you know we're still a business we still have a bottom line you know you could like take out all the clients but then you wouldn't be able to do what you want to get done Mm -hmm. and the evil people would just go elsewhere at least here it's like you know at least with like your kids you know having their friends to your own house, then you get to have your eye on them. Like, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like rather than, you know, letting your kids go to someone else's house where their parents might not be as vigilant and, you know, are drinking and having sex and doing all the things you don't want your kids to do. um, Or at least until they're much older. Uh, So it's like that kind of thing, I feel like. And then like, there could be this like other, like smaller faction that maybe still has influence over like parts of Wolfram and Hart that are possibly actively like trying to get Angel and team ousted because they don't actually think they should be there in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, again, right, and, I and don't they... I don't want to imply that we ever get that level of clarity about the senior partners, but I sure. like just from a speculative sort of thing, like you could see that maybe mm-hmm. that this could be an example of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, what's his name? Hauser talks about 
the purity of their vision being the difference, their conviction. Which um, all, you know, true believers, yeah. you know. Well, and he's saying, like, Angel, that's what you don't have. But also, like, you know, if if we're assuming or speculating that there are different factions, that's what the faction who wants to incorporate Angel and his team also lack, is purity of their, you know, evil intentions. Mm -hmm. um, like, if they are also willing to compromise in order to get something, then they're also sort of lacking in conviction in a way. Um, mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, if there are different opinions within Wolfram and Hart, they're at war with each other as much as they're at war with Angel. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, this is, like, playing out, you know, in one, you know, specific... Uh, confrontation what probably is being played out elsewhere like like on some higher plane wherever the senior partners are or whatever mm -hmm. like right this is the they're having some kind having. of like yeah. similar discussion right. Right. <laughs> and this is and that's you know whatever yeah um i feel like we've jumped around a lot we only have a, like a few minutes left yeah um, we've so covered I, oh sorry I, go ahead well so I don't think it'll take too long because I think most of what we talked about is the important stuff, like sort of the setup for the season and the characters. Um, is there anything other than uh, we don't need to rehash the plot point for point, but um, with the Corbin Fry's sort of situation of the week? Um, I mean, we talked about the fact that it kind of blends the courtroom drama with all this other stuff. Is there anything else like plot wise that really. I don't, and I don't even think he, like, I don't think we should look at him as, like, a recurring bad guy throughout yeah. the season either. Like, right, no, standard he's kind of like, scumbag client who right. they have to represent, and even though they all, like, hate him. Yeah, who would infect his own kid to, like, right. get his way. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think anything there. I, the only other thing I would want to point out um is sort of the ending mm -hmm. the it's big fine. reveal mm -hmm. uh yeah which is yeah. less big considering he's in the credits in the credits like, so it gives it away a little bit yeah. we don't know like exactly how he's coming in yeah. to the episode yeah um yeah i not like the amulet somebody so we can speculate but we all we all saw you know Sunnydale turned into a big old sinkhole. Uh huh. Like, how did that amulet get into an envelope and get shipped back to Wolfram and Hart? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know that it's ever answered. Um, it does somehow. It finds its way back there, and uh, Spike is sort of restored. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Although I like that. Um. The real horror of the ending is Harmony. <laughs> like, she, yeah. she's like, the, and it's her appearance that is accompanied by the psycho screech. Like, right. it's not really, it's like, oh, Spike. And then when Harmony appears, that's when you get the, you know, of, um, you know, that ending there. So yeah. it's more like his horror at seeing <laughs> Harmony than it is at anyone else's seeing Spike. Is right. It's kind of a funny inversion um um yeah it's funny and and also just keeping in mind that the last time spike saw angel was kissing buffy yeah so like yeah 
there's maybe some raw feelings there. And um, Angel didn't see Spike, but he does know about his relationship with Buffy. Sure. So there's, yeah, maybe some mutual hard feelings there. Yeah. So the, the, the triangle. Well, and I mean, Angel carries or, on. Yeah, Angel and Spike have centuries of history. This is true. This so, is true. you know, one in a long line. Of, right. Buffy's the only uh, the latest disagreement that they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, then that's true. You know what? Even when we talked about that last episode of Buffy, I was thinking about it just in terms of the love triangle, not even thinking about all of the history that they have together. So there is a lot more to explore in the relationship in this show than just are we fighting over this particular mm-hmm. person? Yep. Um, and also actually just um, thinking it through too, Angel brought the amulet to Buffy, but had no idea how it was to be used. Right. Like there was no, like there was no reason for him to think when he sees that amulet that like Spike was the last one to wear it. Right. That or that he had ever even had it. And doesn't even know what it is. It sort of just is charred and falls out of the envelope. Like he just randomly opens an envelope. So even right. figuring out like why, what is this thing and what does it have to do with anything? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. So, yep. So we've got Spike back. We've got Harmony back. We've got lots of, lots of fun stuff. In the works. Yep. All right. Cool. On to uh, a, a new show. Mm-hmm. Class. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some production notes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think we wanted to power through Doctor Who and stick with that. So I think that was the right decision. But there is a sense of going a little bit backwards in time here, um, Mm. you know, in terms of the chronology of things. Um, So this was released in uh, the UK of uh, October, December 2016. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, before series 10 of Doctor Who, what, you know, this came out in, in Britain. Um, and then in America, it ran alongside Doctor Who series 10. They didn't show it until like six months later. Um, so it had been out for a long time, you know, so I'm sure some people had found it (laughs) somewhere by the time, but for, you know, as, as one might for mainstream legal audiences, um, it, it sort of ran nightly, like you would have Doctor Who at whatever nine o'clock, and then you know class would come on afterwards. Um, so yeah. they were sort of done as a pair that way. Um, so um, I want to point out the creator and writer, um, whose name is Patrick Ness. Um, so he writes every single episode, um, all eight episodes of this season, which is hmm. impressive. Yeah. Um, and so he's actually a fairly well-known author in his own right before this show. Um, so he's sort of Anglo-American, you know, like American born and British raised or maybe the other way around, I forget which, um, and had been 
um, a journalist and a reviewer and a novelist and a teacher and like worn many hats. Um, but he's mostly known um, more recently as a pretty successful writer of young adult science fiction and fantasy. Um, he wrote a book called A Monster Calls, which was sort of based on, I think, an outline by another writer who, uh, an Irish writer who died of cancer before she wrote the book. And mm. he like took her story idea and sort of, uh, you know, expanded it into a book. Um, and then he adapted it into a movie, which was directed by Jay Bayona, um, that has Sigourney Weaver in it. And, uh, Liam Neeson as the monster. Um, and um, so he also wrote a trilogy, like a science fiction YA trilogy called Chaos Walking, um, which has, you know, I think been pretty, like a pretty good bestseller and um, has won some awards in children's fiction and science fiction, like um, the James Tiptree Award and the Carnegie Medal and things like that. Um, and there, a movie based on those books is coming out March of next year, um, which Patrick Ness is collaborating with. It looks like a bunch of writers were worked on the screenplay, one of which being Charlie Kaufman. Um, and uh, that has Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley in it. Hmm. So um, I think nice. that's, a, that's a potential movie club selection for, uh, sure. for March of next year. Um, so, yeah, so, so like a pretty successful, you know, novelist, but had never written TV before. As far as I can tell, he's not credited with any, um, television episodes apart from class. Um, so he was brought in to develop this, um, obviously Moffat co-produced and also Brian Minchin, who had been a Doctor Who producer in the past and as well as, um, Torchwood and Sarah Jane at various times. So this guy's worked on every okay. Doctor Who spinoff that there is of the new series. Um, and then apparently Patrick Ness uh, announced that he was leaving the show after season one before it was even canceled. You know, the, that's the reason we only have one season of classes that it was canceled. Um, so whether or not maybe he'd always... Um, intended to leave after one season maybe he only you know meant to do one or maybe it didn't quite go the way he wanted or for what I don't know what his reasons were but um but he was sort of on his way out anyway um so that's all mostly just wanted to point out the fact that all you know British TV is odd at times and one of the yeah. oddities can be that um one person can write all eight episodes of a season so um that gives it you know a sort of unity of vision i guess that it's you know he's not moffat sending out scripts to other writers but he's actually crafting them all himself and um right yeah cool um so what I wanted to kind of, so first of all, we can't like go very far without like talking about some of the Buffy mm -hmm. call outs or references or whatever, um, intentional yeah. or not. Like, I guess I would look to you to 
tell me if you know whether these are like I oh mean, they have to be yeah and I, well some of them do not necessarily all of them I guess um, so even sure. starting with the episode title um, mm-hmm. which is for tonight we may die mm-hmm. that very much reminded me of a line from season one episode one welcome to Hellmouth of Buffy saying seize the moment because tomorrow you might be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, like, I don't know if that's a specific call-out, but, like, very similar sort of phraseology and, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously thematically similar. Um, so that was sort of the first thing I noticed. Uh, starts in a high school, a guy mm-hmm. and a girl in dark hallways thinking they hear a monster or are being chased by a monster. Now, we don't get the same exact, like, turn that we get in Buffy. Um, as far as Darla being, you know, the vampire. Um, but, but but it's not dissimilar either. I mean, it, yeah, jumping, say, a, jumping ahead, the, the boy does end up being the sort of victim of the situation. And, you know, Quill ends up being not necessarily the monster, but at least... The cause of his death. The cause of his death and the kind of secretly supernatural you know more than human one in that scenario rather than being the victim right right so so obviously very similar sort of opening there um cole hill is certainly more diverse than sunnydale (laughs) high this Uh, is true i mean well it's 20 years later that's yeah i was gonna say that might be more a sign of the times when they were made um i I know i know we didn't got a lot of like you know southern california and there's like no hispanic people like at all um Mm -hmm. uh and that kind of thing um but yeah uh and then the the like clearly obvious reference of um quill saying you know you can't expect these juveniles to deal with whatever's coming through you know the tears in space and time and then um April refers to like the Hellmouth and then they refer to like a couple other shows. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, the pop culture, like the Hellmouth being the obvious explicit reference, but like just the like general pop culture knowledge and like reference and that kind of thing, I feel Mm -hmm. like is a very Buffy thing as well. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I mean, that's the obvious one. But, like, the others, like, I I do wonder, like, for tomorrow, you know, tonight we might die. Like, I like I can't say for sure. Like, that's a little bit different enough that, like, maybe it's not an exact reference. But it just struck me as very similar to that mm-hmm. line from the first episode of Buffy, especially given the opening similarities that we just talked about. So, like, yeah. just thought that there were some things in there. I don't know if you have anything more to add, if there's any maybe I missed or... Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to find that that all of those things are int- intentional. I'm pretty sure that, I mean, certainly critics noted that the, the, the homages and debt that this show owes to Buffy. Um, but I'm pretty sure that even Patrick Ness, you know, openly acknowledged that in interviews yeah. and everything. Um which I think, like you said, you'd get that from the Hellmouth anyway. But um, but I think the parallels go even deeper than that. And he's probably thinking about it at a more detailed level. Um, mm-hmm. So. So 
Yeah. And actually, I, so just to, to kind of also bring up the idea, I, I mean, we didn't plan to talk about it, so sorry. Mm -hmm. But um, also just the, the self-references to Doctor Who. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll be, I, like, again, obviously the Doctor shows up and, you know, whatever there. But, like, not the first time we've had sort of a rift in space and time. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not the first time where we've had sort of, you know, the last of a species being hunted down by another species. Um, even like that the shadows themselves are menacing, right? Mm -hmm. Like think of um, the library and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so, you know, obviously the, uh, like slightly I, I different. I also was thinking of the, the cabinet that's sort of bigger on the inside and everything. Um, sure. And also like a storage place for people who die. Like, mm -hmm. um, all of the, like, slightly yeah. different versions of all those things. Like, this is, it's like a new soup with, like, the same elements of, you know, story mm -hmm. that, you know, it, using the Tolkien's uh, right. fairy Stories analogy there. Right. Um, right. So a lot of the same elements kind of put together in a slightly different way, but um, yeah. definitely so some interesting stuff there. I, it's hard to say one episode in. So maybe this is a question for the end of the season. And I don't even know that I have an answer because I'd really, I'm going to ask this and also acknowledge that I prefer to rewatch them to really tell you what I think. But um, first impressions from the first episode, given that it's like a remix of all those familiar things, did you, do you find it derivative? Um like is it is it just I mean, is it that's... is it simply remix without or um is yeah. are we adding new ingredients to the soup as well or is the mere rearrangement of things enough to keep it well, sort of I mean, fresh we're and both, interesting we're both enough of students of mythology and storytelling and fairy tale and all of that to know that like everything's derivative original originality <laughs> so, like, isn't everything yeah yeah and that like complete originality i think the originality is in how you take the elements and mix them and i actually i actually found myself i mean this might be terrible to say i actually found myself enjoying the episode more than i had expected to yeah i don't I, maybe that's not terrible to say but like like i I kind of was expecting it already to be somewhat derivative. Mm -hmm. um, maybe because I knew that it had only lasted one season and got canceled. And mm -hmm. I like, I don't know why specifically, but I would expect that, that would, like maybe people just didn't pick it up as interested as whatever. I found it to be a little, I, I think one of the reasons why I liked it is because I, it was surprisingly a little darker than I mm -hmm. was expecting it to be. Mm -hmm. um, I had, I, honestly couldn't remember going into it whether jenna coleman would show up or not mm. um and and so i went and looked afterwards and like oh, okay yeah there were like before the show aired like there was confirmation that she wouldn't be in the show so like people at the time knew that but i i would like i kept thinking i'm like is she gonna like be in here or not like even right. if it's just a cameo i couldn't remember um one way or the other when i watched it the first time so um just things like that just kind of going in i you know build like we'll talk about this in a minute but like building the ensemble team that you're going to be with for the next season is sort of a stock mm -hmm. first of series episode you know uh 
thing. So like, yeah, from a from a setting up, like like a very clear setting up the premise of the series, pulling together the thing. I mean, I don't have anything more to criticize about this than maybe you would criticize about any show that does that sort of thing. Of like, would like the very pretty girl who doesn't have a prom date and the, you know, like the, 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 the very pretty man who's gay and like the jock and the, you know, right. The kind of like the smarty character. Yeah. The the smarty, you know, nerdy type. Like, I mean, yeah, they, they kind of play with maybe some, some racial and gender expectations there, but like, I don't think any of that's like, terribly different than you would find in like any other sort of you know Mm -hmm. ensemble show but it's not like I don't see that as a bad thing like it's like you said maybe it's just a little too early to tell because in a whatever I don't 50 minute episode or whatever like how much can you delve into any one specific character at this Mm -hmm. point like Mm -hmm. you're just kind of seeing how they act I think you know and then there's like the easy deaths like ram's girlfriend and mm-hmm. you know a couple other people but like um oh well like the other thing like the like the rant like the the unknown mysterious killing of a student you know in the mm-hmm. first episode of mm-hmm. like who did it and like whatever like that's also from buffy pretty much right like right. the mm-hmm. kid in in the locker or whatever um right. Right. so uh yeah just kind of like well, and, and sorry, just to jump off that point, that kind of also, at the same time, it's another one of those dual echoes that is reminiscent of Buffy and then also has the self-reference because the, you hear the char- the kids saying like, yeah, whenever there's a disappearance, they never tell us. So like, yeah. you kind of get the idea that people are disappearing from this place like all the time. Right, well, and we've, uh, been, at, we've been to Coal Hill and like, yeah, yeah. Uh, also like, the the very brief line of the doctor like mentioning renovations it's like this is Cole Hill but not really Cole Hill it's like the right. last the, the last season of Scrubs after they moved to like ABC or whatever like it's the same hospital but not really the same hospital right like <laughs> it's, the, it, it's the same hospital but why does nothing look like the last time we were right. here right. like, yeah we it, like this is a new wing that we never showed you before right right <laughs> um right so yeah like all of that um that kind of thing like like we've been here we know that like it's one of those places where mysterious things happen um you know the doctor references like all the not supernatural but like what's he called like all the whatever you know techno babble activity mm-hmm. that's been going on um to sort of like create this rift in space and time which again is like a similar explanation that we've had before oh there's a lot of such and such energy or activity here and that's what's causing, you right. know, the corpse to get lively again. Um, right. It, it's attracting all of right. the evil, like, you know, invading alien species right. to sort of... Right, which may or may not be here. truly evil. Here it seems like they are, but, like, that's not necessarily always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so, all that to say that I did think, it, like... I. I was not, I find it funny, interesting, that they're willing to, like, show a character's leg get chopped off, Mm -hmm. but, like, won't have another character say asshole. Um, I don't know if that's just, like, 
that's like, another quirk of British TV. Yeah, yeah. like that—that's why I was like wondering, like, if that's just like a weird censorship thing in like British TV or whatever. Probably, but, probably, it's just different, like, different it just, rules. So, yeah, it just seemed kind of funny to me. Um, and I was watching it on Amazon Prime, so like, I would assume that that would be like the version that was like televised or whatever like right like it's like the dvd version it's not like a special edition or like right especially right and uncensored no and and i think i remember watching it on tv and seeing the leg get chopped off and everything yeah yeah Um, i I just i mean and that's why like people like my mom growing up like so i mean we've talked before how like we both come from fairly conservative christian backgrounds and like my mom growing up like would like let us watch die hard or whatever but like we'd have to cover our eyes when it came to like the scenes with like the boobies but not like <laughs> right. the blood right. and like all the f words and like everything it's just like like thinking back on it as like a you know adult it's like like just the very weird sort of peccadillos that they like chose to yeah uh, care about when it came to like things like movies and television and stuff it's right, like right. you can watch all of this other violence and bad language right. and stuff but like if a woman shows her breasts you have to avert your right. eyes right. and you know whatever right right or you know seinfeld monty python life of brian fine but like power rangers that's questionable you know <laughs> well yeah like i wasn't <laughs> i was wasn't allowed <laughs> i wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons like i was i was yeah. like 10 when the simpsons simpsons came on and like i wasn't allowed to watch it i'm like but the, like i'm the prime demographic mom i didn't say right. that to her right. at 10 years old but like yeah this is like, the it was like all of my friends are watching it and like whatever nope yeah can't can't watch it it's, yeah, it's sad funny. it's evil he says eat my shorts he's disrespectful Right, but you right. watch me like you let me watch like John McClane killing all these people, right? And like Predator versus Alien and like all of this stuff, right? Um, That's fun. Or actually, it was probably like the original Predator at that point. But anyway, yeah, uh, that was way it, too it, much. It is that funny thing, and I think there are, you know, the slightly different censorships are just funny because it there are just different ex- cultural sort of taboos of. Sure. Are we more comfortable with certain violations rather than others? So, um, yeah. 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 But I mean, apart from what they'll let you show on TV, I think you're right about the, the darkness, like the fact that, yeah, in the first episode, the star football player has his leg chopped off, you know, like, like that's a seriously depressing areas to go with well, his girlfriend gets slaughtered in front well, of yeah, him. and his girlfriend like <laughs> like trauma in uh episode one for the you know and i was kind of thinking of um, uh, uh, well maybe i should wait Mom, well, we should talk about the characters one by one we, anyway we can but i also like and also bringing up like april's willing to kill herself to like say right. like there's mm-hmm. a suicide's kind of a big deal like that's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know even like sacrificially like yeah like and it's not like sacrificial like i'm gonna go try to save someone and if i die then so be it it's it's like i'm legit gonna kill myself in order to save the other these other people like that's Mm -hmm. the like i feel like there's like some nuance there that makes it like even darker than just sort of normal 
like offering yourself as a sacrifice is one thing when right, it's or like jumping it in front might, of somebody or it, whatever yeah it might not happen but there's a possibility it could even like a strong possibility it could like the fact that like it's not a sure thing mm-hmm. kind of makes it a different quality than like i'm holding a pointed stick at my heart and gonna thrust it through if you take a step further and mm-hmm. kill you you know and that will kill you too so yeah anyway like those types of things definitely well and then <laughs> the literal darkness it's like shadows but like um yeah thematically it was it was definitely darker than i was sort of expecting because i i guess i was thinking of it as i mean it is like a ya show like this isn't like like i almost feel like it has an older audience demographic than doctor who in a way sure like if if doctor who was like scary for kids mm-hmm. but like still expected to be watched by children mm-hmm. like i don't see like this as being like as young a child like i wouldn't have shown this to like my seven or eight year old right daughter right you know? i mean she, i don't have a seven year old daughter at this point like she's right. 13 my younger one so like yeah i might let, like she's a year away from high school so like i might let her watch this but like i wouldn't have let her watch this like two or three years ago even yeah you know yeah well like so you know even like the doctor getting his hand chopped off in the christmas invasion there's no blood right you know it's exactly. like it's it's clearly and it like grows back right away and it like, grows back it grows back right away and it's clearly david tennant with his sleeve sort of up on top right. of his hand you know like okay so there is a concept there, but it's not graphic and it's quickly addressed and undone. And like, yeah, like, that's a good have... point. Like this is in theory, a similar plot twist, but like handled completely differently where, you know, not only do you see lots of blood, but you actually see like the separation of his leg from his knee, you know, like that's a pretty gory moment. Um, And like, yeah, he gets a prosthetic, but you still get the sense that it's a permanent injury, you know, know, a a permanent, you know, disablement or whatever, that this is going to, this is the star football player and this is going to affect the entire course of his life. And, and right. When he's going to have to live with like, like the doctor's like, oh well, you need to like train it and stuff. And like, I, like I don't know. Maybe the next episode, he's like, gets the most powerful kick and like can score from midfield or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. And so like, all is fine and that's great for him. But like, yeah, you definitely get the sense that this is like something he's gonna like be thinking about and dealing with. And like, based on the first episode, you could see that like leading him into depression. And even even the ending of it, because like I feel like even with Doctor Who, even, like, some of the darker episodes, maybe except for, like, the ones that are, like, two-parters, but, like, mm-hmm. where, you know, you're ending on sort of a, a, a dark cliffhanger, cliff yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, I'm thinking of, like, The Empty Child and stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. um, or what is, is that the first part? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, something like that, where it's, like, kind of dark and scary, but then you get into the next one, and it's, like, by the end, everybody lives, and you're happy right. again, right? right. Like, um, 
with this, like, just everybody's sort of, like, down in the dumps. And you've got, like, people sort of, like, coming home to dark houses and, like, you know, Ram limping up the stairs and April kind of, like, even, like, her mom's story that she tells of, like, mm-hmm. like, her mom's sort of, a like, not sort of, she's a positive, like, influence and, like, yeah, she, like, made it and figured out, like, how to live with her, you know, disability due to this accident or whatever, but, like, you know, that's not, like, like, it's still kind of dark there and, like, April coming home, like, after, like, this traumatic stuff and, like, to a dark house and then, like, you know, you've got, like, Ram and Tanya, like, not, like, being afraid to go to sleep, basically, and, like, mm-hmm. kind of needing to, like, console each other, which, like, I you could kind of see that set up coming, like, I'm assuming at some point they'll become a couple, but maybe that's, maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, like, yeah, like, Ram limping upstairs, and then, like, um, who am I, who am I leaving out? Um, oh, well, um, uh, well, Charlie, right, Charlie end, look, and looking Bo, into right, the cabinet right. and like, right. s- seeing one that I mean, there's the revelation there of like, that the cabinet actually is full of all these souls, which is kind of itself kind of a creepy little thing. But like, also like his his final words there of um, uh, what like, oh man, I can't find it. Uh, you know, have you? Uh, like about the dread basically i I don't Mm -hmm. remember the exact one right like do you know the feeling of dread or something yeah like like ending an episode like that like it's doctor who ever ended that darkly (laughs) like i i can't think of an episode off the top of my head i mean there's a lot of doctor who episodes but like i feel like even on the ones where it's kind of like sad or whatever there's there's some final upbeat note Mm -hmm. at the end Maybe maybe that's not always true. Maybe, but like I feel like generally that's true. Generally, I feel like this, it is very very rare if it's not. This yeah, this is yeah. the opposite of that, and yeah, so that's yeah. I think where I like I hadn't thought through it all in that exact way, but I think that's where the darkness of the tone comes is because it mm-hmm. ends so dark. The ending, yeah. Um, and yeah. and because of like you see a guy's like get chopped off and you yeah know, right, right see people die and stuff um which again you see people die in doctor who but not right like not in in that sort of more gory or yeah. whatever way so i think right like uh, an ending where okay they survive and kind of momentarily defeat the bad guys but there's not really a feeling of triumph it's like right. a feeling no, no. of it's a feeling of defeat even though they've sort of lived to go to school another day you know it well it's the long defeat kind of right, right it's like right. they they prevailed this day mm-hmm. but the rift like the doctor couldn't close the rift completely and they know there's going to be more things coming and and you get like quill asking like why aren't you like angry all the time <laughs> like mm-hmm. i am you know and it's like how do you know i'm not and it's like well that casts a light on you know certain things and you know mm-hmm. coupled with the the final comment about dread, like, mm-hmm. yeah, just very, uh, I, so, I mean, to get back to like, whether I liked it or not, I think now that I've thought through and talked through all of that, like, that's probably a big part of it is because I wasn't expecting it. 
to be that way and it was and i mean i am sometimes drawn a little more towards the darker side of things but like like even so like i think it's more the surprising factor for me of like i wasn't expecting it to be that and it was that and so now i'm like intrigued by it and right want to kind of see where they take it mm-hmm. um now they could totally flub it and maybe by episode eight i'll understand why it got canceled but mm-hmm. like at least at this point i'm like kind of like yeah okay let's see where this goes and mm-hmm. like like it's it's like a book like you've read the first chapter like it's good enough to keep going and see like whatever even if like it has some of the sort of stock opening elements mm-hmm. you know yeah. of a story yeah yeah um, I don't, I, I feel like we've talked through a lot of the character stuff I was already going to mention. Sure. I don't, I don't know if we want to, we can kind of just go through them real quickly. Like, yeah. Again, like, I, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've had a number of uh, very extensive episodes getting through the ends of all those seasons lately. So if we don't go the full time on this one I think that's fine yeah so um but maybe we can go through them one at a time and kind of talk about if there's anything we didn't already cover about their specific storylines or or their introductions or like do any of them like give twists to some of these sort of stock characters and that sort of thing um I I wonder if I mean maybe to start with April um, yeah so I mean oh I'm sorry were you gonna say more well, I was going to say that I think uh, you can agree or disagree if whether or not this is true. I'm just sort of thinking, if is she the one that's the most stock of the stock characters? Like the most out of like, um, you know, the, the Breakfast Club kind of um, sure. high school well, setup of, yes, the, the isolated beautiful nerd who can't get a date <laughs> and would clearly be like prom queen of whatever high school she actually goes to. Um, right. So this know. is, this is, uh, so breakfast club is fine. Like the one that came to my mind was like, she's all that or something yes, like along sure. those lines. Right, right, like, right, like, right. Just if she just took those glasses off, then right. yeah. Um, yeah. And April doesn't even wear glasses. Does she? No. Like, like, yeah, yeah, I I they couldn't I, even give her glasses. Yeah. So like to like attempt to put on my sort of like feminist hat a mm-hmm. little bit. Like uh and I feel some like of that is, some of that to be clear of like you said, that's true in every Yeah. It, it's kind of unfair to single out any TV show or movie as like, oh, the one with the beautiful people. Like they all do. And let's just right. be honest sure. about that. Like if you're going to indict one, you have to take them all down. Well, and so I was trying to think of, like, like there's that episode of, like, Buffy where, like, Xander asks her out and, like, gets all male on her. And, like, mm-hmm. she's like, like, I I have my problems, too. Like, whatever. So, like, I don't want it to be, I don't necessarily want to be, like, she's pretty and her mother, like, is, like, you're kind and, you know, right. like, that's better than nice and, like. Like, has all these, like, qualities, like, that should automatically mean that she has, like, a fulfilling and, right. you know, right. desirable, like, like, love life or anything. Pretty like that, people can't be awkward as well, you know? Yeah, that's or that, really like... not the case. Yeah, like, just because you're pretty and kind doesn't necessarily mean that, like, 
you attract people that you want to attract. Like maybe mm-hmm. you still attract all the jerks or whatever. And like, you know, like she tries to go to Charlie and like, I mean, I think that is kind of funny of the like, Oh, of course, like he's interested in a guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and like that kind of thing. But like, yeah, I don't, I also like, well, okay, we'll get to Charlie anyway. So like, it's fine. Like it, it is, I agree with you. Like I wasn't thinking of it this way, but I agree with you that she's the most, she's the stockiest. Can we call, can we use that term? She's the, the most yeah. stock character of, you know, the stock characters that we have. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with that. If, if we can see that changing mm-hmm. later, um, I think we do get to see a little bit of that with her like going up on the stage and kind of mm-hmm. asserting herself more and like raging a little freaking against out the, at the, yeah, the, yeah. the the kindness aspect that she's sort of tagged right. with. So so maybe we start to see a little bit of that. I also feel like of the characters, like if she's the stockiest, she's also like the point of viewiest, um, mm-hmm. if I can call it that. Like we're like of like we get points of views of all the characters kind of in the, you know, game of Thrones style of like, like we get sort of insight into all their lives from their perspectives. But like, I feel like she's sort of the first one and the one that we're sort of most prompted to sort of identify with and like Mm -hmm. kind of move through the story with maybe that shifts a little from point to point. And so Mm -hmm. we can talk about that when we get to other characters, but um that's just well, sort of my impression yeah and and physical appearance aside which they're all tv stars so there's you know they've all got that yeah. but like I, I think she's the one that is cast as the most sort of ordinary which i think is where that point of viewiness sure. comes in like you know Ram and Tanya and Charlie all have something that sort of sets them, makes them exceptional in some way. And April, you, the things that make her exceptional are like, you know, things that aren't valued as the most sexy things, like her kindness, her, mm-hmm. you know, her friendliness, her niceness, her hardworking right. ability. All those are like, those aren't like exciting. she can't even, yeah. She can't even convince, like, her best friend to help her decorate for the prom. Like, so she's, like, yeah, like, not very persuasive or, like, whatever. Like, there's... Right. Right. So it's not to say that she doesn't have strengths or virtues, but they're not the kind of things that are appreciated as extraordinary. Um, Whereas all the other characters um, seem to have something like that. And actually, that's one way that, like... I feel like this is slightly different from Buffy is I don't want to say that uh, well maybe it's this is an overgeneralization but like well I'm taking it back now that I'm thinking about it I was gonna make some sort of statement about I don't know what I don't know what you're taking back (laughs) well maybe I won't say it I was trying to see like is there a difference between the two sort of groups in terms of how much are they meant to be sort of misfits? Um, mm. You know, and in a way, I kind of feel like April is, with her ordinariness, the most misfitty of this group. 
Like, mm. certainly, like, Ram and, you know, like, is, like, the popular kid um, in a way that Buffy and Xander and Willow weren't really. Like, Buffy maybe had the potential for that, but never really got in with the popular crowd. Um, maybe right. that makes Ram, like, the Cordy of the show or something. Like, the one who, like... Sure. Is with the misfits, but kind of doesn't really belong with them. Like he kind of should be with the popular jock crowd, um, but well, his circumstances have thrown him in with the nerdy, quirky, you know, weirdos mm -hmm. of the school. Sure, like, and the only reason he's talking to Tanya is to get like tutoring help, right? right. Like that's right. that's it's not like their friends or whatever and then like although i think he seems to like her for as much as he's like a bully to april and charlie he seems a little nicer to tanya for some reason maybe it's just for the grades but yeah i like that might be true um i think also like when she starts getting attacked by the shadow and like he's seen like shadow like weird things happening with shadows like there's there's like a connection there that right whatever and also like Tanya calls out like this is this is what we're doing while like the white people do what they do <laughs> right like right. like there's that one comment that right. she has they're united of, like, in their otherness yeah yeah so like I feel like maybe there's yeah there's just sort of a general affinity there um, mm -hmm. yeah I I mean I I kind of see what you're saying though like he he sort of like talks a big game about nerds and stuff but maybe isn't quite like i don't see him like pushing people like stuffing them into lockers and stuff no. but like but like maybe sort of adopting that like what he thinks maybe is expected of him as a jock to like you know how how are jocks supposed to treat nerds well they're supposed to, like why am i even talking to you guys like i shouldn't be talking to you because like that's not what we do as like sports people, you know? Um, but like, I don't like, I kind of agree with you that like, it's not, it's not consistent and it doesn't seem like that, you know, it doesn't seem to like apply to Tanya as much as the others. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I'm... Anyway. Um, I don't, was there anything else about April kind of before we officially move on from her? I feel like we have already. Uh, um, no. Okay. So like Tanya, um, very, so like, I wasn't entirely, is she supposed to be younger than the others? Like, is that? Yeah, yes. She's supposed to be like two or three years younger and like advanced, like skipped right. over a few grades. Okay. And that's what I thought, but I hadn't. Like, I wasn't entirely sure. And, the, and like, her mother's, like, very clearly... So, like, Tanya seems, like, first generation... Right, right. You know, um, citizen or whatever. And then, like, um, her mother's, like, obviously has sort of, like, old-world work ethic values, <laughs> like, of, like, you work and work and, like, playtime is later. And Tanya's like, well... But what what does that mean? Like, what's later? Is that like twenty years from now, or like, 
mm-hmm. you know, can I have a little play time now? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. cause I've worked very hard already. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Want- and, and that thing of like, well, we came here for you to get these opportunities. Right. And so that means that not a nanosecond must be wasted in right. pursuit of. E- even the things like, like she's actually working on her homework and just is taking longer than normal. Mm-hmm. And like with no like her mother just comments with no like waiting for an explanation or like understanding about like what reason there might be like oh the teacher gave you an especially hard equation to work through like maybe that's why it's taking longer it's just no you're oh you're still doing it like the implication either that she's slacking off or maybe isn't working hard enough or you know Right, or the fact that it, you know, I mean, she's clearly brilliant, but she's doing whatever senior math as a 14-year-old or something. Like, you know, she's already advanced these many grades and the work is getting more challenging, but yeah, is the appreciation sort of growing with that? Um, Yeah. And I like, that's another, that's not, it's not a direct illusion, but the, um, it the the very buffy reminiscent moment to me of the mother breaking in on her having just fought for her life with like a shadow demon and the like you're yeah. talking to a boy like the idea that um right. the metaphor of getting mixed in there of you know the kinds of crazy things that she doesn't even know all the things that Tanya's wrestling with but the most shocking and disturbing thing could be that she is talking to a a boy online um that's 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 not an allusion to Buffy but it feels like that belongs in Buffy you know like if Buffy had had Skype we would have had a, a scene like that you know um it's just sort of of a piece with the tone of things yeah yeah no that's a good point um Yeah, I, so, I mean, I think that plays out for Tanya in a couple of ways, like, with her character. Probably the most notable one is, like, she's the one who, like, turns on the lights, like, <laughs> to, like, chew away the shadows. And, like, the doctor is, like, like confirms, like, you have the right idea. Like, yes, that's exactly what you just need, like, a little boost, you know, and that's, that's fine. Um, I'm not entirely clear if that was, like, the plan or if that was, like... Tanya coming up with that like on her own in mm. the moment because um, I feel like they do sort of have the plan but you never like hear it so it's not entirely clear what's part of the plan and what isn't mm-hmm. um, yeah I'm not I don't I'm not quite sure but like that does like if we assume that she just sort of came up with that on the spot like that also seems like in line with her character of like she's the smart one or like the especially smart one. Like they all mm-hmm. seem to have their own intelligence, but like, she's the especially smart one. And can right. Like, right. Whatever. Um, Ram. So, yeah. So we kind of talked about him a bit already. I would just say that like, yeah, like the superficial guy who's sort of like learning like maybe the baby steps of like learning how to be slightly less superficial is maybe what we're seeing here a little bit um 
you know, there's the, his girlfriend died and his leg got cut off and that provides motivation for him to like, you know, hit the bad guy um, Mm -hmm. in the end. Um, But he's the jock. So like hitting is like his thing, I guess. Right. Like that's the, sure. You know, if he's like the physical sports guy, then like swing it. What I did, what is it? He swings it. It was like a cricket bat or something. I don't know what like or like that. a chair even or something. I don't know. Yeah, what I don't. Is. I'm not. Sh- I like it happens fast. I yeah meant to look the second time and then was like surprised. That's su- like I knew it was coming, but I didn't know exactly the. I couldn't remember exactly the moment, and so like I missed again. It's like very quick. Um, but yeah, like that seems in line with like what we know about his character, but definitely like, I think for him, it's like that relationship with Tanya and like mm-hmm. kind of the admission that like he's scared and like, um, also something really fishy going on with his dad. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, as far as like his dad's like always there, like watching him, mm-hmm. like he's on the sidelines at practice. Mm-hmm. He's like, watching him like from the window as he drives off like with this girl mm-hmm. you know who like got an uber like <laughs> the most normal thing in the world and like his dad's suspicious of it yeah. so like i feel like there's something going on there whether there's like there's some kind of secret with his dad or like maybe about him that his dad knows or something and we don't know what that is yet um, right or even i mean it could be those things um but i think there's also you could just see it as similar to Tanya's situation of um, a parent who, you know, puts, sees an aptitude Mm -hmm. um, and is, is overly concerned with his future. You know, that kind of vicarious thing of watching him every moment to, to make sure that he's cultivating this, potential career you know um but could there be something more going on maybe you know so we'll have to kind of yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't have to be one or the other it could be a little of both like right or metaphor territory you know where it is both you know um sure so yeah um yeah and i think it's interesting to take a character like ram who seems to have it all in the first episode, you know, is sort of on top of things. And then not even by the end of the season, but by the end of the first episode has lost, mm-hmm. you know, the, loses the most of all of them. Um, and so then kind of, you assume you had the popular jock without a problem in the world. And okay, that's not the character. Like suddenly now he has all of these traumas and these hurdles to get through and, and doesn't know how he'll do any of it. Um, So it makes him a, I think a more interesting character going into the rest of the season. Yep. Um, So Charlie and Quill. Yeah. Shocker. They're not from Sheffield. (laughs) Um, yeah, I like. I, I actually was surprised when he walks in, and it's like the teacher, <laughs> like right, what's going right. on here, um, which my mind wasn't, you know, Prince and Subject who are telepathically linked, 
uh, I have to admit, like I thought maybe there's a little something less, mm-hmm. uh, well, or more um, scandalous happening. Sure. There, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, like the very good looking student with like the not unattractive teacher and like you hear those stories about, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing happening. So um, it's not the case at all. They're alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie's royalty, and she's a freedom fighter slash rebel uh, mm-hmm. who has been punished and telepathically linked to him, so that like she has to protect him and all that. Um, which I think is an interesting, like that's an interesting enough setup to like, like I feel like there's lots of ways where shows you know, try to, like, link together two people who might normally have disparate purposes and moralities. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, this isn't the worst way to, like, get people like that to cooperate. Like, I feel like there are definitely other shows that have done worse contrived (laughs) reasons for why two people might need to work together. So... I, I thought it seemed a pretty decent way of doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if if they're going to have Quill be this sort of as belligerent and abrasive as she is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not to say I haven't had belligerent and abrasive teachers who seem to be there voluntarily. But, like, it kind of, like, helps if it's, like, if the scenario is that she has no choice. Um, yeah. Right. You know, um, which maybe does serve as a metaphor for, we've all had those teachers that you think, how, what, what went wrong in your life mm-hmm. that led you to this life that you clearly despise. Um, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. And maybe like enslavement is as good a, reason as any um like she literally has no no choice but to stay so yeah so yeah um so i mean we're kind of a few minutes away here i i don't know how much we need to get into the shadow can i don't i assume they'll be back at some point i don't know if it's like next episode or like end of the season or whatever mm-hmm. but like right these are sort they're, of the, the the big bad like overarching villain yeah there's they're yeah these shadow creatures that attacked uh charlie and quill's home planet killed everybody presumably in order to get this cabinet of souls um Yeah, I like I mean that's kind of the MacGuffin, I guess. And and so like I we get kind of a little bit of the um importance of it, which is like okay, it's supposed to hold all of these, you know, souls of the people, but then also like um that it can be used as a weapon. So, uh, you know, what Doctor Who MacGuffin wouldn't you know have dual purpose. Right. Um, where it's literally like saving billions of people and has the potential to destroy billions of people right. all at the same time. Right. Um, 
Right. That so, sounds like every weapon ever, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like that, that, like that's all fine. I don't like, I'm kind of intrigued to see like if they do anything more with that, like, is there a way that he'll find to like restore his people? Like, like what's the point of kind of carrying or is it just, is it literally just an urn? But like, if it's their souls, that seems like more significant. Like maybe there's a way to like bring them back somehow to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Like maybe that's completely outside the scope of what they're trying to do here. At this point, it seems like initially they're just trying to hide. And then now it's like, they need to fight and protect and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, the doctor comes in, kind of gives a little exposition about a few things, kind of like sets up, like he he's kind of the one who gives them their charge, right? Of mm-hmm. like, you'll be able to handle anything that time throws at you. Oh, come on, cheer up. It's not that hard. Um, It's no harder than most of the exams, um, except for media studies. That one's pretty easy. So <laughs> you can, uh, you know, it'll be harder than that for sure. But otherwise, um, I, n- neither of us have media studies degree so we can make fun of no but um the communications kids had a a, that that major had a reputation in my uh, college sure yeah i mean put it in line all all you do is sit around and watch movies and talk about them right like it sounds great yeah i don't know what everybody's problem is um i hope thomas johnson isn't listening (laughs) i think he does study something I don't um, think this podcast is in the any position to judge. So No, no, no. I'm just joking, of course. I mean, we may not have media studies degrees, but it's clearly what we do, at least in this part of our life. Um lives. So uh yeah, I don't I mean like the setup there is okay, the doc like this is the doctor coming in episode one and then like I assume we never see him again in this series but like, we don't this is true yeah yeah uh again yeah. like not surprising per se um, yeah yeah and i think you get that if, even if you didn't know that you i think the that that's the impression that you're left with um yeah. is that he's here to sort of christen the you know beginning of the story and then you know peace out he's right and like they have his phone number which like literally like she calls him mm-hmm. so like you know that if presumably like maybe in season two, they would have to call him back if there was a season two, but like, you know, at some point there might be another cameo or a cameo with a future doctor if it had gone on long enough. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, like the way it's set up, it's like, you know, he even says like, it can't be everywhere. So you'll have to like do it while I'm gone, which like, again, like that's not an uncommon charge that he gives to people. Right. Mm -hmm. So that all seems fine. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have any issues with any of that. Um, yeah. And then we're kind of, like, we already talked about the ending and, like, the darkness of it. So I'm kind yeah. of interested to see where it picks up next. But uh, I, I think that's all I have to say. I don't, any other final thoughts there? No, I think we covered everything that I wanted to cover. So, yeah. Nice. An interesting premise and setup, kind of mixing a lot of the things we've sort of looked at in other stories. So I, I don't have 
super vivid memories of this. You know, I watched it all as it came out, but um, but only once. So I'm kind of interested to rewatch uh, and pay like closer attention to see what they're doing. You know, like what ways they're kind of playing with these tropes and subverting them and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, well, so, I mean, it's kind of weird not jumping back and forth between shows at this point, between yeah. Angel and Buffy. Um, yeah, that's true. So we'll we'll be back with, like, the next episode of both of these shows uh, mm-hmm. next week. Sounds good. See you then. Mm-hmm.